Welcome to the Mycotoxin Matters podcast from Alltech Mycotoxin Management. As mycotoxins present an ever-increasing threat to livestock production, join us as we discuss these impacts and potential solutions, sustainable farming, and our vision for a planet of plenty. Hi, my name's Nick Adams, Global Director for Alltech's Mycotoxin Management Team, and a very warm welcome to this episode of Mycotoxin Matters, where Today, we're joined by Dr. Luke Miller. Uh, Luke has been a practicing veterinarian uh, within the dairy industry in California for over 20 years, uh, spending time within uh, a large animal practice, uh, also uh, spending around 10 years running a Californian dairy before joining Alltech to provide more on-farm technical support for the dairyman in the state. Uh, Luke, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on today. I uh, hope we can uh, spread the light of uh, mycotoxins and uh, mold and yeast management today. Well, that's certainly what we are aiming for, Luke. And um, and by way of, of sort of starting out, maybe you could just talk through a little bit around your general experience as a large herd veterinarian regarding sort of molds and mycotoxins and the awareness of them in the industry over these past uh, sort of 10, 15 years. So, yeah, that's not an issue at all. When I left school and graduated and uh, came into the workforce, a, it was 20 plus years ago, so there was a lot of, uh, there was talk of molds and yeast active, right? And we would see that on the silage piles and the damage that feeding kind of that rot silage or moldy silage could do. But a lot of that had to do with, we didn't have oxygen limiting plastic at that point. The plastic itself was not very good. And we just didn't have the technology and the techniques of making better silage that we're, that we're into now when we're, and we're using a lot more of. So as I got more and more involved in feeding on the dairy, became more and more involved about the damage uh, that we could get from, from mycotoxins and from active molds and yeast. Uh, I do think that the veterinarians are becoming more aware of it, and I do think that they hold a very unique uh, view of the cow at this point because they're seeing them from behind and can really be in help uh, when the red flag needs to be raised because mycotoxins might be present. Uh, but overall, uh, in my experience, uh, when we're talking about feed ingredients, veterinarians have usually uh, deferred to the nutritionists uh, about mycotoxins and the dangers. And I think that's what we've been working on in California and across the Western U.S. is attempting to change that attitude a little bit and uh, make sure that veterinarians know that they can have an active role in, in mycotoxin awareness as well. Picking up on that, Luke, where how much do you see mycotoxin analysis, the evol evolution of analysis, how much has that been uh, of importance or of assistance in helping to define the issue for four groups? Well, for the veterinarians, the, the 37 plus, for example, that platform has been invaluable, right? They're very data driven. Um, we like science. We like to have things explained. And even better yet, we really love to have, a you know, a uh, an expert in the field give us their assessment of what the results mean. When we get blood results, when we get pathology results, a lot of times the the assessment 
and the analysis is kind of left to us to do on our own. They just give you the results. Uh, in this case, that's been something great uh, in, in showing veterinarians and in doing myself is the ability to use a consistent, you know, very uh, third-party certified type of service like 37 plus to show them that they do exist and maybe it is part of our differential diagnosis that we should be using on a more uh, occasion, not occasionally, but a more regular basis uh, for herd digestive issues. Yeah. And, and so in your experience then, are there typical feed ingredients or forages that pose a greater risk from the mold and mycotoxin side of things? Yeah, certainly. When I started, I thought it was going to be um, what everybody else in the rest of the United States and a lot of the world thinks it is, and that would be corn silages and sorghum silages and, and wet ensiled feeds, you know, 100% of the time. But uh, as we've gotten more experience and as we've run more and more testing out here in California, we find that that's simply not always true. Um, I think it's very regionally dependent. Um, you know, corn silage in the Western United States is an irrigated, babied, uh, beautiful crop. And we just don't see the stress on that, uh, that, that corn that would cause it in the Midwest. Ensiling, surely, if it's poorly ensiled, that's, that's something we're after. But I would use uh, an almond hull as a perfect example out here in the Western United States of something that's uh, you should think about a little bit about moving mycotoxin into your cows and just by looking at byproducts, you know, it's on a tree for six months and then it's dropped on the ground where it's rolled and rolled again and then picked up and covered in dust. And then somebody picks it up and processes it and stacks it in a pile of their own, at which time maybe it's delivered to you in a month, maybe it's delivered to you in nine months, but we have no control over that little beast and it's outside. So I think you need to I think you need to look at regionally, you know, a little more than just saying automatically uh, that a wet silage is going to be my problem. That being said, if it's wet, you know, that's where we go first, right? Molds love that that warm, wet kind of environment to grow and then die and produce mycotoxins. Yeah, and uh, I think, you know, that's absolutely key, you know, that concept of if, if it's got moisture and it's got a substrate uh, and it's got oxygen, then that's the that's the environment that a mold will thrive in and and clearly silage moist feeds with that moisture element sort of bring that into the the, the party um what might be some of the concepts and when you think about that example of almond holes in california what do you think some of the concepts that a global audience might think about when they think about risk as it relates to feedstuffs in their regions what I've tried to kind of put in front of people to think about and extend it beyond just staring at what's in the bin, right? I think we all get really narrow focused and look at the one load. We look at the one item. We look at the one silage pile that we think is the problem and the blinders get on and things get very tight. And I've kind of encouraged them to go a little more global, right? Let's let's expand our look at all of these projects and i think a good way to do that is how i treat quite a few other things on the dairy and we do the life cycle right we put ourselves in the shoes or the hooves of the animal and we take a look at what we're going to be eating or walking on or whatever across the day or month or yearly life cycle and so if we go to the bin and we look about how this byproduct or how this corn uh, or single products may have been stressed over its lifetime and kind of chase that out and go out into the field with it and bring it in and then store it 
and then bring it out of the feed. I think that we have to understand that there's our daily, different daily, there's different monthly and there's different yearly cycles for all of these feedstuffs and byproducts we put in. Uh, I understand, you know, understanding that dealing with animal feeds are very variable, right? You know, we're always at the bottom of the list for the feed products. The humans get them first, uh, the, the monogastrics get them second, and the ruminants get them third. I think that's very important to understand that we're we're getting the most variable amount. And so every load, every source, every storage facility, every delivery facility may be different. And I think this is that little side piece where we can use the 37 plus, where we can use some analytics and some and some data-driven stuff to actually show that variability and show that, yeah, one does not actually equal two, you know, A does not equal B. Uh, we can't just assume that uh, this year looks like last year. We need to make sure that our cows aren't being stressed uh, from a heavy mycotoxin load or a light mycotoxin load in the background uh, every year. Yeah, good points, Luke. I like I like the concept of thinking through it in that life cycle sort of concept. So you actually just bring an open mind to it and just start from scratch and, and think about where some of those problems uh, may be coming from. If you If you take it on, and then you think about the symptoms in the cow. What what typically would you expect to see? I think you know anytime you know, and this is the education of all tech, right? And this is also the education of being a dairy manager that um, digestive upset becomes a huge issue in cows. Uh, I think that's very it's an underwhelming problem but it's a very important problem that i think we need to be aware of that other things cause digestive issues than just your salmonella floating through the dairy and that digestive issues can be uh, a beacon of other issues going on on the dairy so i think that's number one you know i think we look at signs of digest digestive upset and i think this you have to be careful looking at it as a whole herd has to be loose for the feed to be a problem uh, when we feed feeders feed from different areas of the bunk uh, cows eat different parts of the bunk themselves and try different pieces of feed and one little ball can have a disgusting amount of mycotoxins in it and one animal might just get that in her own in her own feed in the morning so i think that loose cows right obviously i think the diarrhea issue is there but then we also look at abdominal pain um, we look up going off of feed, um, and I would say that HBS, right, you know, hemorrhagic bowel system is something that needs to be looked at very closely in its correlations to mycotoxins and feed ingredients anytime we see it, right? I mean, it's a, that's, that's a big problem. So I think there's also, uh, lameness has become a, a, a more on the forefront for me as we've looked at more and more mycotoxin issues. We know that we can get breakdown and damage in some of those little capillaries. Uh, the, the corium of the foot is filled with little capillaries. Uh, and so I think we can have a lot of other areas affected by vessel damage. But that's one of the, the harbingers of doom is just this subclinical lameness. Obviously, uh, there's too some, some estrogenic effects that we can see, some subclinical reproductive issues. Um, Zoralinones are, are famous for this of some just kind of poor conception and poor heats and just odd things in reproduction. Um, we're running behind the radar, right? And seemingly unknown fluctuations in in somatic cell count, right? It just goes up and goes down. And we haven't changed anything. It's a good time to take a look at the feed maybe being an issue where you wouldn't think feed would be, you know, in, in mastitis and reproduction and in lameness. And so from that, 
there's nothing that is so specific that that really sort of makes it easy right it, it seems from what you're saying it's it's really quite variable and and it's sort of inconsistencies and it's it's being on the lookout for some of those things yeah and i think that's that's part of the kicker of why it's not super pushed in the veterinary community right it's it's hard to chase some of this stuff down especially when you begin to look into somebody else's backyard of the nutritionist so you know, being aware that you can do that, um, that you can look into these things and understanding that just uh, uh, the other shoe to drop, right? The the noise in the background can definitely be a mycotoxin issue. Yeah. So now, having sort of gone through the experience that, that you have and, and sort of working out, providing the support that you are these days, uh, what's the advice that you give to producers that you're working with regarding how can they try and manage that mycotoxin threat on a on a more regular basis yeah you mentioned it before and i agree wholeheartedly i think surveillance and data analysis and data collection is really the key to your control program uh, having some historical relevance year over year or month over month can also be super helpful um, cows are different around the world and even you know from door to door I think that what may be an insignificant amount of toxins on your neighbor's farm could be a causative agent on yours. Uh, and this is just a veterinary education kind of angle of it. You know, using that 37 plus platform to help diagnose what feeds are high risk on a year over year basis, asking your Alltech on form support person, I'll plug myself here, what feed regionally have been known to be problematic uh, this year or in previous years. I think our cows are under different stressors and big stressors all the time, the least of which is production. You know, you know, mycotoxins are one of those continuous daily fed stressors that we can control uh, or at least have uh, some aid in through feed additives very effectively. I think that having control of your mycotoxin load uh, is very important and is a great way to remove a significant stressor, you know, on those cows on a daily basis. Luke, many thanks for all of your, your time and information today. Appreciate it, Nick. Anytime you need me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Mycotoxin Matters. We've been with Dr. Luke Miller uh, talking about uh, the role of mycotoxins in cows and, and how we can uh, better manage those. For more information on uh, the Alltech Mycotoxin Management Program and on uh, assessment uh, tools such as 37 plus please don't hesitate to visit www.nomycotoxins.com that's k-n-o-w mycotoxins.com and we look forward to speaking with you next time we hope you enjoyed listening today and look forward to you joining us next time on the mycotoxin matters podcast for more information on the topics discussed please visit nomycotoxins.com. That's K-N-O-W, mycotoxins.com.